All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. We are here with none other than Ariana Sanchez. Of course, for the rest of the show, we're going to be she's going to be known as Chez. That's that's what she's known at. If you go to go to a Tomcats game down at St. Thomas, that's it's what you know if you're talking to anyone associated with the St. Thomas soccer program. So Chez, thank you for being here all the way from Colorado still. Yes, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm still up here in Colorado. It's been great being home and getting to play with my friends up here, but I'm excited to come to finally come back to Minnesota. I think I have like 10 days and then I'll finally be okay. back. I'm like counting it down. <laughs> and it is appropriate that you keep using the phrase up here. Because you are at whatever, like 6,000 feet elevation. You are from Castle Rock, Colorado, which you told me before we started the show is, you know, somewhere between Colorado Springs and Denver. So in that sort of cool um, area where you can sort of get to anything you want to do, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're from out there, beautiful, mountainous elevation, uh, Colorado. How did St. Thomas even get on your radar? Like, what was the first point of contact was it coaches reaching out to you was it you doing a scan what was the what was the way that St. Thomas got on your radar in the first place yeah so for me I actually Sheila first saw me at I was at a DA showcase down in Florida and I was just out there playing and I don't I mean I don't even remember which game it was but I just remember right after I got an email from Sheila and one thing that already I could see that she was such an amazing coach was just like she sent me a whole paragraph of like you could tell she'd watched and taken notes and just been like, I love this about your right. play and this about your play. So I was like, right away, I could tell that like this coach knew what she was talking about and she cared about getting players on her team. So, I mean, uh, she, I first met her at that showcase and then I ended up coming after talking with her cause it was like around COVID. So there was a bunch of like okay. um, zoom calls and that kind of stuff. So we had a couple right. of zoom calls and then I was like, okay, I have to come down there. Like I've never been to the twin cities and I want to see what it's like. And I came to a camp and oh my gosh, just all the people I met in the first like 10 minutes being there. And I got to meet a lot of the girls already committed. And I could tell like, this was just such a great group of girls and the way she was so big on team chemistry and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just so like amazing to see it play out like in front of me at a camp. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this this is a place for me. And it's just gotten better since then, getting to get close with all the girls and with my roommates. It's been so fun. Man, I feel like, Chaz, I feel like I need to put sunglasses on. You are like pure bright sunshine. <laughs> you're like radiating. You're like radiating energy right now. You're just like all positivity. I love it. And oh, so when you. you so you you hear from St. Thomas, you know, obviously getting that sort of uh sort of message where they're talking about your game and they're getting in depth is sort of like a cool like flattering moment a cool they're like they're interested in me it's this cool moment but Mm -hmm. for you you know if you're the level of player that's playing in you know a kind of da showcase or a a new d1 team is reaching out to you i'm sure other programs were sort of either on your radar before that or reaching out to you how did what was like the mix of types of programs you were considering back then because i think by the time we cover players they're in college and they've gone through this entire insane process of like crazy club dynamics, crazy high school dynamics, crazy recruitment dynamics. And we see you at the start of this like very defined period. Mm -hmm. But the truth is you've been through like all of this stuff before you're even on my radar at least. So when you were getting recruited, were you, you know, what were the sort of places you were considering even like, I'm sure some back home or maybe, you know, some wherever, what were some of the things you were looking for in a school and what were some of those other sort of kind of options? 
Yeah. So for me, it was funny. I actually was not um, looking at any Colorado schools because I was so like, oh, I don't want to be home. Like I want to go somewhere else and see something else. And now, of course, I'm like, I miss Colorado. But no, I was like, for school, I really wanted to try to get out and go to a new place and just live somewhere completely different. So, yeah. I mean, I was talking to um, schools pretty much like all over the country because I was just like, I don't even know what okay. any of these are like. So why not try it? So, I mean, I was, I'm originally from Texas and okay. so I was looking at schools kind of down there and in the South, I was looking at the East coast cause I've mm -hmm. never been out there. So I was like, it's probably fun, whatever. So, and I was talking to a couple of schools in the um, Midwest as well. But I mean, mm -hmm. when you hear a school from Minnesota is talking to you and all you want to do is go somewhere new and try something different. You're like, this is perfect. <laughs> what's, what's, what's more new and different for someone from Texas than going to Minnesota? No, exactly. I've just been working working my way up in the States. So I was like, okay, Minnesota is like about as far as I can get. So I'll try well, that. You one. mentioned, you mentioned even like in the visit and meeting some of the, you know, the players on the team and you came in at a really unique time, you know, you're part of this program's first division one recruiting class, which was a, first of all, I've said it before, but like, we'll just always repeat it. A gigantic class, so like a huge yeah. class of incoming freshmen um, there were some of those veteran carryovers who either were purely recruited as D3 players or came in during the D3 era knowing it would change to D1, but you all are that first D1 group. Mm -hmm. um, how much did that sort of factor in of, other than you seem like a really sort of adventurous person and a curious person wanting <laughs> to see different places, how much did it being its, you know, program becoming a D1, you know, school, how much did that factor into it? Was it exciting but then also sort of weird like I have no idea what the hell this is like no one's ever done this before like no one had ever gone d3 to d1 yeah. so what was that mixture of sort of curiosity but also sort of like pure wild card for you no yeah I mean a part of me definitely was curious being able to be to see the entire process and seeing what changes would come in the school like during that time but it was also it meant a lot to me to like be part of that transition too and be able to be part of that huge class and see the shift from D3 to D1 and be a part of it and be that first class who's like, okay, we're the first ones recruited for this. Like, this is what we came here for. And it was just so cool to see. She like kind of put the pieces together from the team she had before and the, uh, all of us coming in our freshman year. Mm -hmm. I like, I really wanted to be able to see that and be a part of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was curious, but also just like, experiencing it instead of just seeing it and reading about it, it was something I really wanted to try. And I'm glad I did because it's been mm -hmm. super cool just seeing how the school has shifted and changed as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think one thing that, that I, you know, you notice once you start covering the college game is just these athletic departments sort of in general are their own sort of, um, if a team sort of gets described as this family, then an athletic department is almost almost like this extended family where mm -hmm. athletes sort of support each other. If people go to a St. Thomas game, you will, you know, a women's soccer game there, you will for sure see random kids with, you know, a baseball backpack on or a football sweatshirt on or a volleyball tank top on or whatever. Like there's, there's always sort of cross departmental stuff. Did it feel like, was there sort of that broader uh, camaraderie of like, this is weird. This has never happened before. <laughs> All of us are like learning the summit league together. Like, was there sort of that broader athletic department camaraderie uh, with, with St. Thomas? 
I would say so, especially because like, I mean, we had all the people in our class over all of the sports who were coming in and everyone kind of had this weird shift where we were like, okay, we're all going three D three to D one. So we all kind of need to figure out what's going on. And I think our athletics department has been super good about like having us all come together and do these kinds of events and stuff where we can, Mm -hmm. like, it's not just us like randomly being like, Hey, like what's going on? Like we're able to really come together, like, and really feel like we're going through it all together. And I think that's also helped just with like around the school. It's really helped build a really good, like, like you said, family within the athletics department with everyone. And yeah, it's just like, everyone's kind of been going through it together and it's just been nice to have like, you know, random girls on the volleyball team or guys on like the football Mm -hmm. team that you're going through it with as well. Mm -hmm. What's the, I mean, there's only so much you would ever be able to say publicly about this because I'm sure it's sort of a funny dynamic, but like, (laughs) what's the dynamic been like with the players who come in as like D1 recruits and then there's this carryover of kids who were literally like, you know, high-level good D3 players, but they were D3 players. And we've seen plenty of those players contribute. You know, the Alex Belfords of the world, Olivia Groutland mm-hmm. of the world. Like, plenty of these players can play. Like, they're not – it's not that they can't play. Mm-hmm. But what's that dynamic been, like, balancing in the locker room of, like, okay, some of us got here recruited on scholarship. Some of us were here when they were in the MIAC. You never even had to care about what the MIAC is. You know, like, you're not <laughs> from Minnesota. It's like, I don't know what the MIAC is. I never have to learn it. Yeah. But, but what's it been like that balancing that dynamic of just, it is a unique thing about being part of this team. Like, it's literally, you know, the only team in NCAA history that has mm-hmm. this exact mix. I mean, I think for me, like, It's funny. I feel like I forget sometimes that like these older players did go through that like lift from D3 to D1 because I don't know, like the second we get in the locker room or on the field together, like you would think that we would have been together the last like 15 years just playing club. So I feel like there's not really much of a like, like weird dynamic for it because I mean, I play like like Jasmine Gates, who also plays my position, like I've seen her more as just like a role model because she's literally like she's already older than me and just being able to see her like. I see her more as like someone I can look up to and who can teach me because either way they were on the team. They've been with Sheila. They've been at the school. They understand that kind of stuff that's been, that goes on as well. So, I mean, even if some of us were recruited for D1 or D3, I think a lot of us are just like, we're all here to play D1 together. So, you know, it's like the past, it almost doesn't matter as much because it's like, we're all going through those practices together. We're all figuring it out together, no matter what. Because either way, I was still a freshman and like these people were like way older. (laughs) That's true. I didn't didn't think about that. That is sort of a luxury you had where it's like everything you experience is just now, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's like when I talked to freshmen who dealt with that first COVID season that got canceled and pushed to spring. It was kind of like, wow, this is really weird, right? And they're like, yeah, but I've never had a normal college experience. So for me, this is all I know. You know, yeah. so it's, like if you if you just start in the D1 era, like you have no idea what they did during D3 or if it was different or the same or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, the culture is vaguely the same because of Sheila. But yeah, and I think um, one last thing about the Colorado shift, you mentioned that you're originally from Texas. So I'm assuming at least going from Texas to Colorado had to help in your transition from them going from Colorado to Minnesota. Right. Cause oh, were yeah. there, I mean, we're other than it just being a little colder and a lot flatter, like what's, <laughs> what are the big differences you notice in being in Minnesota now almost year round versus your time in Colorado? Yeah, I think for me, I think there's a difference in cultures of people, which I think is cool. I mean, obviously, I think everyone is fun in both States, but I don't know in Minnesota, I feel like people are very big on like, 
you know, like just this family aspect. I've noticed that just being right. at school. And I've also seen it transition into soccer. I mean, I've seen girls like be with their teams for years and just be able to see right. like how close they've come as family has been super cool. Just because especially mm -hmm. in youth, youth um, soccer in Texas was very transient, just like the people always moving teams. Yeah. The same thing in Colorado. And I don't yeah. know, Minnesota, it's been really cool to just see how people really like come together and really like grow together throughout their club years. So I mean, yeah. you see that in college. Like, I mean, I came in from out of state and it's like I'd been there my entire life. The way people brought me right. in, that's like one of the coolest things I've seen about being in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And it makes me, yeah, feel really lucky to be here. <laughs> I love that. Well, and it's, it's crazy too, because to someone like me, I grew up in like rural northern Minnesota playing really scrappy club soccer. I mean, I played for, since I was five, but when I've been down here meeting players like you who play at that high club level, sort of the really intense, expensive, like crazy club stuff, like the really, really bonkers stuff. It's mm -hmm. crazy because to me, the Minnesota club stuff feels so intense and so nuts, like so bonkers. <laughs> and then to hear you say like, nah, dude, Minnesota is chill. Like Colorado's <laughs> crazier, Texas is crazier. And so it, yeah. it is, it does help me have some perspective of like, it's only intense to me because I came from such low stakes, like low, low stakes, like rural Northern Minnesota classic <laughs> to club soccer. And you're like, mm. you're like, no, it's actually really sweet and gentle here, Matt. Like they're all buds. It's, it's super. Yeah. Nice. I mean, you know, there's like that back and forth, but I don't know. Minnesota is just super cool about like, I don't know, everyone just coming together. And I think it's nice because uh -huh. some, you know, there's always those crazy club teams and like, Oh, big, yeah. Like big areas like North Texas. I'm like, dang, it probably was nice to grow up somewhere where people were like normal and not doing like crazy <laughs> stuff on their teams. <laughs> like, wow, I kind of <laughs> I had that. <laughs> where people were normal. I love that. And you, so let's talk about your game a little bit. You've had, you know, a pretty organic growth in terms of your overall role in playing time with the team. You know, that first year, Everything was pretty wild card that first year. I mean, every mm. so many new players, new teams that even Sheila had not coached against. Like, everything was brand new for everyone. And even considering that, you got into a few games, then into your sophomore year, played a ton of games, started, you know, a good chunk of those games. You've also had those spring seasons, which I'm, su I'm assuming for a new enough team, play an even bigger role than for sort of a standard college team. Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel now just in general sort of going into your third training camp with the club after having those experiences and having those reps under your belt where you really have been growing um, sort of step by step by step and now you're coming in, you're like this vet. How do you feel coming into this third camp uh, compared to maybe that first day you stepped on campus? Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely feel like I know a little bit more what's going on. That's been nice just being like, oh, OK, so this is like how we're supposed to defend as a team. Like this is what it's supposed yeah. to look like. It's been nice kind of not to have that big like sh um, learning curve again. Right. And I mean, just having the growth that I've had, I think going into this next season, like I, it, it helps to be able to look back on what I on all my growth and be able to look back on. Mm -hmm you know, the mistakes and like failures I had, but also some of the successes because like mm -hmm. failures also help you grow. And I think it's mm -hmm. just helped me grow a lot into the player I've become now. And it's exciting to like go into like my um, upperclassmen era and just be able to not only like <laughs> kind of be able to help myself through it a little bit more, but also help like those younger players who may have mm -hmm. been who, if they're going through the same thing that I was kind of going through, or just like 
trying right. to figure out what is even going on or like what to eat at the dining hall and that kind of stuff. Like I'm excited that I'm able to be like that role model, hopefully for them and be able to help them like with their transition as well. Just that helps build the team up as a whole. I think you're heading into your big sis area. Now, now you're a big sis. You're a big, I love that. And I, and I think I was thinking back, I'm pretty sure I was at, the very first day of training of that very first D1 uh, season because I had messaged Sheila and I said, hey, is it cool if I swing by? I'm not going to oh, like post yeah. anything, but but is it cool if I come watch? And mm. the only reason I really remember it is because I, I think the very first drill she had, or I guess coaches don't say drills anymore. What do they say? Activity, whatever. Uh-huh. The first thing, the first thing she had you all do was this thing where two players are on either side and then two players are in the middle. Mm-hmm. And one player is just like on the other one's back, like really physical, oh, like push yes. defending. Mm-hmm. And you have to like you as the attacker have to like hold a defender on your back and like broad base, strong base, mm-hmm. and you're just physically like battling like this super gritty <laughs> physical drill. Yes. And I remember it was like five minutes into the D1 era of the team, and I was like, oh, okay, this is helpful. I know exactly the kind of coach Sheila is. Okay, mm-hmm. this is good. <laughs> no like love it <laughs> I feel like I remember that yeah funny it's I <laughs> I remember being like oh drill one okay <laughs> number go. one right. I was probably a freshman there we go. going on <laughs> hold, hold a defender on your back I get it but did you you know when you've played in all these settings even when you were younger in Texas and you know I don't know if you did a lot of high school like club stuff in Colorado whatever mm. you've played on so many different teams at this point I'm sure has, you know, has that sort of, you know, gritted out first drill of the day is like holding a human person on your back. <laughs> has that style been something you've done before? How much was sort of the style of play uh, something that Sheila talked about during that recruiting process or something that you knew like, hey, this, yeah, this would fit with my vibe or whatever. How much has that style of play um, been part of like your transition into the team? Yeah, well, I know when I was first transitioning um, to the team, I know that one thing I was like, I probably need to get like stronger and like be able to like, because I mean, I'm playing against girls who are like 21, 22, and I'm like fresh out of high school soccer. Like, so I knew that like be getting that strength was going to be big for me, but it's something that I feel like wasn't big whenever I was playing club in high school and on my high school team, because it was just like, you know, you're just playing and it's like, you just want to look at coaches and I feel like that was a lot of just like oh just pass around and we're gonna make you scrimmage a lot and it's gonna be super fun Mm -hmm. but I like how it kind of in college and with Sheila I feel like it's been a little bit more of a shift into some of the like intricacies of the game because you Mm -hmm. win and lose games and like some of those small moments of getting to win a ball or finishing on corners and that kind of stuff I love how like Mm -hmm. I've been able to transition transition a little bit more in college soccer in in our practices just to be able to work on that kind of smaller stuff and like being able to hold off a defender, like it's something that you may not have been doing, like actively thinking about or training, but it's something that makes her make her like it'll make or break you for playing mm-hmm. in college soccer and having that. And that I like how like Sheila is like smart enough to understand that, like getting that done right away. Mm-hmm. So it's something I definitely didn't expect going into college soccer, but it's something yeah. that I was like, okay, yeah, that like makes sense. Like I can and see. You, why I mean. I mean, I think one of the, you're describing sort of that physical jump from high school to college too. And I think one thing that goes maybe a little under discussed and we try and talk about it on our shows is like just the strength and conditioning and weightlifting stuff. I mean, I think um, you can sort of tell when you watch players, like you can sort of tell 
which players have been in any of those programs, whether they did it really early as a teenager or whether they become an upperclassman, you can sort of see them fill out their frame a little bit because otherwise you all are running so much that if there's no lifting, you know, soccer players can be pretty trim. Like soccer players can be really lean and really skinny because you're just burning so much energy like out there. And so you really start to see the players who either have to live in the weight room to like build out a little bit or like how much have you been how much has that been part of the journey too of just like the literal strength and conditioning and performance stuff of hey maybe I need to sort of build up this part of my body maybe I need a Mm -hmm. little more like I know sometimes I hear coaches talk about a player needing like a stronger base like because they need to but you're obviously a player who's playing out on the wing so maybe you need a different type of thing what what kind of role has that played in terms of like lifting and strength and conditioning and stuff yeah. So for me, two things that have gotten really big for me is first, like being able to have that speed and endurance on the wing and be able to make those runs all day long. So, I mean, that's been when I come back home from um, from school, then I, I have my trainer that I've been training with and posting a bunch on my Instagram story. And everyone's probably like, oh, my God, like she's posting again. But I've been. No, training it's, with that's, a requ- that's a requirement, Chaz. We're in favor. We need the content. So this is no, good. exactly. You, we need <laughs> the content. <laughs> just open Post out. those workouts Post yeah. those workouts. and I mean it's been nice coming home because whenever I train with him it's like we're doing like um yo-yos and that kind of stuff just to keep up that endurance because and we start our practices with that so it's like being mm-hmm. able to build up that endurance and be able to be tired and have your legs tired but also like you need to be able to get a ball run it down and cross it I feel like that yeah. endurance has always been kind of big for me Um, but also just like getting big, I've been, I have my trainers at school, obviously. And then definitely when I'm back home over the summer, it's like, okay, like time to go. Cause it's just hard to have that drop off for lifting and like be able to go into the season and be like, oh gosh, like I'm not strong enough. So I think it's gotten even more important for me just lifting wise. Mm -hmm. Cause if I just ran on the wings all day and didn't pick up a weight, like, I mean, I would not be, if someone ever came close to me, I'd just fall right over. Like it'd just be a mess. (laughs) So it's been nice to be able to lift too. Do you have do you have certain goals for that? Like you you've mm-hmm. kind of hinted at and we'll get in more depth. Like for those who have not watched Chess play, like your danger in your game is so much like dynamism on the wing, like your quick burst, your ability on the ball, like all all the super obvious fun stuff that people love about a winger is like Chess's game. But do you with the strengths and so we'll get into it. Don't worry, people. But but with the strength stuff, do you have like personal goals? Like do you like I, uh, there's a player I always bring up who actually coached at South Dakota and used to play at the U mm-hmm. and I had her on early in COVID, Maddie Gaffney. And I always tell this story because it's just so nuts. She gained, she came into the gopher program weighing 97 pounds. Like, oh my God. and she gained, and so she gained 30 plus pounds of muscle <laughs> because like she was starting at 97. Yeah. Which is like, 97 is absurdly tight like no human beings actually weigh 97 pounds like it's no yeah but do you have do you have goals like that of like okay if I'm gonna lift I want to either like numerical goals of like okay I want to gain x pounds of muscle or do you have goals of like I want my like I want my legs to get bigger I want my whatever you know I want my back to be strong do you have like Mm. individual goals you aim for to like keep yourself motivated of like Oh, I want my arms to be like a little more jacked or I want my leg, you know, how do you even keep yourself motivated for that kind of stuff? Do you have those yeah. milestones? Yeah, for me, um, a lot of it, it's like, I like to see that transition on the field of how I play and how I'm like mm-hmm. able to fend players off. I always try to make sure that like, I'm, 
you know, able to keep up and able to push people off. So that's the number one like indicator for me. Um, you know, I always want to make sure my arms look good. So I'll always do an arm day just so I'm like, okay, my arms look like big enough. Um, and then I don't know, like, I don't think as much for like numbers and like um, right. a certain weight I want to get to. I just think like, I want to make sure that I'm growing and able to see like, I right. guess growth, like numerical growth in that sense, like, oh, I'm lifting more, right. like I can see it. And also mm-hmm. just like, I don't know, I like to be on the field and be able to see like, my strength when I'm running and that kind of like my muscle being able to help me make those bursts right. and that kind of stuff. I, I feel like I can feel it when I'm playing. So I try to just right. keep up with that and try to watch the numbers that, that I lift to and make sure my arms. Yeah. <laughs> you got, I mean, listen, listen, got to, got to, I, Oh, no, this honestly. is another great, this is another great St. Thomas story. You all were scrimmaging uh, like the turbo. And I think this was two years ago. Maybe it was last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is this thing where I know being a soccer player, I never really thought about this, but even when I played one year of like low D3, the guys on the team, the guys on my team, like never wanted to wear shirts because they didn't want tan lines. And that was the first oh, time God. I've been around like, like vanity soccer. Mm-hmm. And so I know, I know like the whole like aggressive tan line thing is probably like brutal when you want to be like posting pics and stuff. Yeah. So there was this player, there was this player for Viterbo who there's this thing where, you know, when you like pull your jersey up to wipe your face and then your uh-huh. jersey might kind of be up for a second. Oh, I feel like she, I so she, she did that. But then she also kept the jersey up like on purpose, like yeah. full tummy out, like 80s football, 90s football, kept her mm-hmm. tummy out for like 12 minutes or like 15 minutes. Yes, and it was the I only in, in a game, in a game. And it was the only, and I'm like, I guess it's not like against, the rules but it was yeah. certainly the first time I've ever seen someone just full on like you see those highlights of like football players in the 80s where the jersey yeah. like here it was like that but for a soccer player and I was like wow I guess okay I've never I remember yeah and we were all like I mean she's like not wrong but like <laughs> I feel like the tan would still be weird you'd have like a weird like one across your stomach like you might as well just like pull it down at that point <laughs> I just yeah I don't I don't regularly talk about tanning on shows too much but it was so (laughs) obvious I'm glad the players noticed too by the way it was like it was so obvious um nice (laughs) well I think so we did talk you did talk about endurance and talk about um you know gaining your strength and being able to play tired I think Mm -hmm. the funny thing is being an attacker for St. Thomas also means you play and we talk about it all the time because it is unmistakable if you watch St. Thomas if you watch a Sheila McGill game the crazy short, short shift subbing for attackers. Mm. So like shifts as short as like 10 or 15 minutes, like quick bursts. It's like hockey shift stuff where you're in yeah. and you're out. I have never personally seen it like in a different college system. I think she sort of mentioned UNC and Anson Dorrance is known for a lot of subbing. I don't think mm. other schools do this quick of subbing. <laughs> so for you, for you as an, and it's mostly for the forward line and then the attacking midfielders, obviously, because mm. she's mentioned part of the idea is she wants super high intensity defense, like high work rate defense, go, 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 go. Yeah. Um, but it's still, which, you know, obviously there's some benefit to staying fresh. But what I always think about every time I watch these games is it also puts such a gigantic challenge on you as attackers to get in the flow offensively because you have such short time, like such little time you're in. And you need to, and then in your head you're like, well, how do I grow my role? The only way I grow my role is if mm-hmm. I'm productive, and I have to be productive this second because I'm going to get subbed <laughs> off in eight minutes. And so, 
for you, you've played a ton of games with her now, you know, both starting and off the bench. And by the way, it's no different for starters or bench players. The shifts are quick. Everything is quick. Mm -hmm. But for you, how have you adapted to that sort of quick sub system where, especially as you as like a winger, you're going to have the shortest shifts of probably anyone on the team. How Mm. have you adapted to that in terms of your mindset and then just like getting used to it? Yeah. So I think, I mean, I bet a lot of coaches probably want like their players, their players to come on and immediately like score a goal and just, you know, it's easy seven zero. But I think one really cool thing about like Sheila is that when you, when you're subbed on or when you have your short Mm -hmm. shift, she doesn't expect you to go in and like score three goals. She expects you to make a difference in building and make a difference in changing the dynamic Mm -hmm. of the game. Because even Mm -hmm. if you're on for 15 minutes, if you're able to bring up the energy and be able to have the entire team as a whole be able to press together, defend together, and really work as a unit, then, I mean, Mm -hmm. you've made your impact. And those are the kind of changes that will lead to goals later in the game. But it's like if she has players coming in, like we all kind of can have our different styles of play. But if we have our players coming and they all bring in such a high level of energy to the team, then next thing you know, it's been like an entire game. And you've just had a high energy um, press from Mm -hmm. your attackers and that kind of stuff. So I don't know, mm-hmm. like being able to keep up just that high level of intensity, I think as a whole helps us to work together as a team, even though mm-hmm. like sometimes it's hard to get into the exact flow and be able to start connecting right. with the players on the field right away. If you're able to bring up the energy and have everyone work together as a team, then things will just come together even faster, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like after a couple minutes, it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know these girls. Like I know right. what to do here. <laughs> right. It's well, and you've had time now to sort of settle into okay, this is what the system is. So the, here's how I make an impact. When mm-hmm. you first did it, like the first time you play like full sided, the first time you played a game, it had like I have to imagine because any first of all, I think the thing that's going unsaid here is any player that's good enough to get recruited to play D1, D2, frankly, even players who get recruited to play D3 almost always are like 90 minute players. So mm-hmm. whether you as an attacking player ever actually played, you know, every game 90 minutes, you're like that level of player where it's like, we're all center attacking mids. We're all the best player on the field. We're all out there a ton. Mm-hmm. And so it is like, I have to assume at least at first, it had to be an adjustment, right? Like oh, a difference yeah. of like, okay, I'm used to like pacing myself for the entire first half or for at yeah. least like 35 minutes. And then now it's like, holy shit, we got to go. Like it's, I have to imagine there was some adjustment at first, right? No, for sure. I mean, it was an adjustment. I mean, I mean, at least I was like, okay, I don't need to like run for like 90 minutes now, but now it's like, if I don't have to run for 90 minutes and like also try to conserve your energy too, it's like, if I have a 15, 20 minute shift, like I'm, I'm about to go crazy for the next like 20 minutes, like, cause I'm going to have so much energy. (laughs) So in a way it also kind of helped, like, even though it's kind of a weird, like, mental shift of like okay I'm not going to play like a full 90 minutes now it's the fact that like if I know that every player who comes in like after me or before me like if I know they're putting in as as hard of a level and high of a level as they can then it's like Mm -hmm. okay like I'll go off as long as like I know that like (laughs) we're able to keep up that like work level right right I don't know that kind of shift just being to being able to understand it's like also the good of the team to be able to right. do that kind of stuff too. Cause it's not just, even though we're all like amazing players coming from like all these amazing teams, like right. we're, we all have to be a team at the end of the day and we have to do what, right. what works for the team. Right. Well, and it's like, it's like, well, okay. Even if this isn't the exact system I want to play in, it's like, this is our system. So like, I need yeah. to figure out how to be impactful in the system. Like, 
college, like mm-hmm. women's college soccer, a lot of it is based on the head coach. Like your entire world is based on your head coach. Like your whole life is based on your head coach. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, well, th- this, is, this is the system. So how do I excel in it? How do I make an impact in it? It's like all of you are mm-hmm. doing that. So every, everyone on every team is doing that same thing. But like you said, if it's going to be short shift, then like the harder I work, then someone comes in, does the same. We all raise the tide, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, we're going to shift into what at one point was somewhat secret, but I think I'm allowed to talk about the new formation and the new system now because you all have played like multiple spring games. There have been hundreds mm-hmm. of witnesses. I think I am allowed to talk about uh, it, which the joke is I asked Sheila if I could go to one of your early spring games and she said, yes, but you can't talk about the formation. <laughs> so I was like, okay, now I really got to look out for this formation. It's well, essentially yeah. kind of like a 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think there's some spacing principles mixed in there. So some some freedom for sort of the the initial mids to get up, some freedom for those sort of second mids to get wide. And then obviously the front players, all these different principles that we won't get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but that formation tweak, I think generally you all had sort of been playing a 4-3-3, right? Like before yeah. then. So you you as sort of a standard winger on the top of a 4-3-3. In this mm-hmm. 4-2-2, you know, what are some of those changes that were like for you as an attacker? Because I think I talked to Lisa Mizutani and she's sort of like living as the outside back holding mid type person. And so I got a sense of how her role maybe works. But for you mm-hmm. as sort of a dangerous final third attacker, what changed about your role with the formation tweak? Yeah, well, one thing I noticed pretty like quickly was that like when you're wide, it's like you have it feels like you have the entire field to yourself. Once you get the ball, you're like, oh, I just need to run like over there. This is perfect. But (coughs) being in the middle has shown me Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I'll get the ball and then I look around. There's like five players there. I'm like, I I need some space. Like, why is why is there like 50 of y'all here? But um, so that was a good little shift being like, okay, now I've like actually got people all around me. And so that kind of also, it gave me a cool shift to be able to like play a little bit more with like those quick touches and being like, you can't just run out. Like you have to touch around people. You have to play around people. That's been kind Mm -hmm. of a shift, but I've also really liked it because it feels like that kind of soccer I did where it's like, you know, back in club where you were doing like moves around cones and that kind of stuff. It was a little bit more of like, you know, that like, it feels like you're really playing soccer, like going up against people in these tight spaces compared to being out wide. Mm-hmm. I feel like that shift was super cool. And something mm-hmm. that me and Sheila also talked about, like at the end of the season was also just how in these kinds of formation shifts, like I might not be like a wide player still, but right. like it's important as a player to be able to take what you're good at and use it in like multiple different formations, no matter what it is. So I think mm-hmm. it was cool to be able to play in that middle, but also once we were attacking to really burst out and be able to use my speed and get wide and help attack in that sense. Like mm-hmm. super cool to have that like shift in play and just be able to be able to move from the inside all the way out instead of from the outside in and shifting that side to side. It's been cool to just really burst open and like finally have my space and not have 50 players around <laughs> me all the time. But yeah, that was definitely a cool little like mindset shift for sure. Once I started playing there. Well, and you, so in the, in that stacked sort of two, two, two with mm-hmm. the, the sort of front six attacking players, do you have a feeling of sort of which of those lines you might live in? Cause in, in some sense, I think it's partly sort of that second two whose job maybe. And I, th- I think, by the way, I should say, I think the idea is it's sort of unlimited flexibility in the attack, right? Yeah. So like, that's a, that's a starting point. But I think in general, 
are those sort of second two meant to sort of help occupy that wide? So are you, is it sort of counterintuitive where even though I think of you as a frontline player, do you sometimes get put in that second line because that's the, the folks who maybe go to the width more or is, or is everyone supposed to go to the width? So you might play in either of those front two lines. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm mostly playing in that second line just because that gives me, right. that makes the most sense in the formation for me to help mm-hmm. go out once, especially that top player gets it. I'm able to be the right. one who like opens up and we still have those front two with those now second lines all the way wide. So it's right. it's mostly those players. But I mean, the nice thing about that formation is that, I mean, once you learn how to play and fill people's space, like, cause mm-hmm. if you're playing and someone's not in the space that like you need someone, like, you're able to mm-hmm. move around. So, I mean, you could have, like, the top player go wide. You could have the third defense, uh, defensive center mid go wide. Like, you could just – it's right. always that flexibility really keeps everyone thinking. So, it's important right. to, like, you know, you got to keep thinking in that formation because you can't just do the same mechanical. Like, those players get wide, those players go up. Like, it's always right. being able to shift and move your mindset has really been, like – it's been fun to play, have a little creativity. <laughs> It is it is funny too because you all as a group, like you said, it's not anyone's job to do any one thing. You always have to be reading like what your teammates are mm-hmm. doing. And it is interesting to think about that because th- you know, there's no one that's immediately coming to mind for me that you all have that sort of like a traditional hold up number nine forward. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the players who play in your front line, like Lexi Huber, like Abby Brantner, you, Mariah, like you all are all of you are kind of like run on players. I mean, like you're, you know, you're mm-hmm. off ball players, you're run on players, you're dangerous in space. You like to be going downhill. I, there's no one who's jumping to mind. You can correct me. Who's sort of like a true, like keep a defender on your back. I'm holding up play and then wingers run off me. Mm-hmm. Actually. I mean, among the group I said, I guess Huber would be closest to that, but even she is like a ball at her foot player, like a run on player. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's also that this system just lets you all just sort of full havoc offense, like full combination offense type of thing too. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's fun because now that we have those two um, front two, like we also mm-hmm. have a lot of the freshmen coming in who can also play as that player. Like we have Tatum Treadle yeah. coming in who we're super okay. excited about because She's like insanely strong as well as Lexi's give it, back. So it's like, especially give us the, them. Yeah. Chaz, Chaz, give us the scout on Tatum. What's the deal? Like, oh that, let's, 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 let's get the hype train going. Tell us about Tatum. Yes. Tatum is finally, she's been, I think she has been playing over the summer with Salvo. I think she's been practicing okay. with. And okay. I think this is going to be her like first season with the team playing in games. We saw her practicing with us over the spring. You could already okay. tell. I mean, I swear, like, it's so fun to like watch a player because everyone's always like, oh, Chesley, you can run all the time. And I'm like, you guys need to also like look at Tatum. Like, I swear to God, that girl could just run forever. She has so much energy, like all the time on and off the field. So it's super exciting that like a lot of us forwards are already super like way too much energy already. So it's like being able to drop her in too. And like, I mean, if you have a full line of players who are just running the entire game, like I think yeah. I'm super excited to have Tatum. Like not only can she run, but I've seen her be like super strong with the ball, with the player on her back and the ball at her feet. And nice. it's always nice to have the center player who's able to, you know, just hold it up, drop it back and then send us like running into these spaces. And I can definitely see totally. Tatum being that player for us. And I mean, I've already loved just like, practicing and doing scrimmages with her so I cannot wait for her to come in the fall I can't wait to see her 
Listen, equal, equal time is an all hype zone. There's nothing more that I love than just like hyping the hell out of somebody. So yes. Tatum, you're officially on the hype train. I, <laughs> I do think too, like you mentioned, I mean, all of college soccer is like this, but especially the Summit League, like you have to be able to win in more than one way because mm-hmm. like games can really, really grind down to a halt. I mean, like teams like Omaha will just park the bus on you. They will defend the hell out of you. Like you are not going to be able to get on the counter because they're never going to go forward. Like they're, they're only going to send one attacker or two attackers forward. They're going to score on a set piece and they're going to, they're going to force you to operate with nine defenders in the box. I mean, like they are going to screw you over. Yeah. And so you, you can't rely on just like pacey counterattack players or like, you know, you or Mariah might not get a single wide open run that whole game. Like it's just so clogged up. And so you Mm -hmm. have to have, it's like in, in every conference, but especially the summit league, there's just teams that will just park on you, man. Like Omaha is brutal. Like if, if people didn't see us covering when they beat South Dakota state in the opening round of the summit Mm -hmm. league tournament, like they can just break your spirit. They will park and they will sit and they will defend and you will just get pissed off by minute six. And like, they, mm-hmm. they just, that's how they want to play. They want to win one zero. I say all the time, their coach told me verbatim, we like to win games one zero. Like they will get oh, you stoned. <laughs> and it's like, it's, they do it. I mean, they won the summer yeah. tournament. Like, so I mean, joke, it, jokes it on us, <laughs> Joke, jokes on us. They won. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a quick, Quick break, uh, Chez. When you eventually move to Minnesota after you're graduated, you will get the help from Pence Homes. This show is brought to you by Pence Homes. Whether you're buying or selling a house, looking to do some projects in your current home, Nate and Liddy can help you find what you need. Need financing for a basement remodel? Need to add a second bath or even a workspace now that you're working from home, like I am. This look at this great couch behind me. Uh, Pence Homes and their preferred lender, Angie Shear with Luminate Financing, can help you find the right financing tool. Go to pencehomes.com or you can find out more about them on social media at Pence Homes. Uh, they are the absolute best. They were showing some houses on my block this week. Everyone, get re- get ready to rock and roll. All right, Chez, let's uh, let's jump into some some even uh well some cooler stuff than me nerding out about formations you <laughs> yeah. attend you attended the black student athlete summit a few weeks back this was in LA mm-hmm. so many cool like soccer specific leaders out there like Justin Morrow Simone Charlie if folks are sort of nerd level soccer fans like me they know Justin from you know helping lead black players for change Simone Charlie is a badass you know in the NWSL um mm-hmm. who started a few years back at that level tons of college athletes were there we talked a little bit before the show started it's you're also a part of and I believe you were out there because you're a part of the black student athlete affinity group at St. Thomas which I Mm -hmm. think you were part of launching like I think it's a new initiative at the school which is really awesome but what was that experience like getting to be in community just with so many folks at that scale out in LA yeah I mean it was like some of the experiences I had out there were like insane like just being able to I mean already like seeing all these amazing like black student athletes doing all these awesome things at their schools and seeing like hearing what they were doing with their clubs and that kind of stuff was amazing but also another thing that they were super big on at the summit was networking and being able to meet other athletes who were kind of going through the same like academic things that you are so I mean I got to meet because I'm pre-med so I got to meet a bunch of other like pre-med black student athletes and get to hear their journeys and their experiences at their schools. And it's a super impactful like 
thing to be able to be with these people and feel like you're not the only one going through these things. And there was just so much, I mean, I got to learn from so many different players doing all this kind of um, stuff at their schools and just being able to see um, other black professionals as well who were, I mean, they were out there giving like internships to kids and they were just, and giving like advice to people and just being like, like the first step is like just emailing or texting. Like I'm not, on, a lot of people were like, I'm not, I wouldn't be on this stage unless like someone had told me the things that I'm telling you. And just being able to sit there and be like, I cannot believe I get to be here and be with all these students and hear about it. And I don't know, just like being around so many of those student athletes was just like life changing and just very super empowering. And I'm excited to hopefully go back next year and get to see everyone all over again. And just, I don't know, just getting to network and meet with everyone has been so cool. We all got like 100 Instagram followers after. We were like, we're all going to be best friends and we're all best friends. It's so fun. <laughs> I love that. See, we do have the metrics. You got 100 Instagram followers. We got the numbers, the hard data. And I think it's so it's so cool to see events like that. It's, it was even cool for me to see, um, you know, the posts about the Black Student Affinity Athlete Affinity Group at St. Thomas. I mean, I think uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to blow people's minds here. Uh, women's women's college soccer and club soccer across the country, but especially in Minnesota, can be a pretty damn white space. Like it mm -hmm. is not representative of the communities we live in. It's not representative of the country. Like even people talk about the national team pool, the pro level pool. And part of the way to change that is just by helping folks build those relationships, like giving folks a mm -hmm. platform, like supporting black athletes, um, amplifying black athletes, like helping them make those connections. So it's super, super wow. rad that you've been able to experience that. I mean, I'm curious, and out in LA, I mean, if people didn't see the scale of people out there was just like nuts. I mean, I listed yeah. the soccer specific people, but like you mentioned meeting like random national champs from like University of Georgia. I mean, like mm -hmm. very famous, very famous like entrepreneurs and stuff were out there like crushing it, uh, yeah. like Rich Paul and like all these like insanely globally significant folks. So I'm sure... I'm sure was it like who were some of the craziest people you interacted with or even got to like fangirl for a minute out there? Oh my gosh, yes. I saw Sydney McLaughlin was there and my dad is super into track and got me super into track during high school. So I mean I was just walking through the hotel lobby and then I look and she's standing like right there. I was like and I couldn't take a picture because I was like, that'd be so weird. Like to like ask her for a picture with all these people. But I mean, seeing her, I was like, okay, like this is a big deal. Cause I was like the within the first hour of me being there. So I was like, okay, this is pretty, this is pretty crazy. I met some University of Georgia um, football players who'd like just won a championship. So like, and they all had their rings and I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> this dude is like insane. And just, I don't know, like, I mean, you were meeting national champs, but you were also meeting people from like small schools in like Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And it was just crazy being able to have that space and be like, okay, like we're going to talk about issues going on and like, where and you can connect whether you're going to Penn State or whether you're going to middle of nowhere like Kentucky right. like everyone can still connect in on this platform so that was right. I don't know that was just like super cool also seeing Rich Paul I was like this dude knows Adele like he's like he's my connection I'm gonna meet that one but I didn't talk to him so I need to I need to I need to DM him or I'll be like I saw you we can we can you're you're at least like you're at maximum three degrees away someone there that you oh, talk yeah. to could get you a summit we could get you connected with rich paul we could get you 
out like hanging out at Knicks games with Adele. We could we could make oh, it work. Okay. We could make it work. Okay, yeah, yeah. I we'll, do. we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make it work. We'll make it work. As, <laughs> as if I have some ability to communicate with Rich Paul. But no. um, but I I am curious too, because we're talking about sort of that's the shiniest, largest, you know, most impactful stage. But then even at the St. Thomas level, you know, uh, I believe it's like one of the assistant coaches, maybe, or one of the coaches, and then there's a cool video you all did talking about sort of the group and why it was mm-hmm. important. And it's, you see like a dozen or so athletes hanging out, you know, in that space as part of the group. I mean, what's the, you know, the black student athlete affinity group at St. Thomas, what, what has that space meant for you, you know, as a black athlete to have sort of a group and you spoke a little bit at the, at the national event and stuff, but what is, mm-hmm. what does that space mean for you all just at the St. Thomas campus? I mean, for us, it really just gives us, I mean, St. Thomas is a PWI, as like a lot of people know. So it's like already you're kind of already the minority when you walk into a lot of rooms. So it's been super mm-hmm. cool having this um, affinity group because we can spend an hour a month and be able to talk about like issues that, that are events that have happened in the past couple of weeks and be able to really have right. a safe space and not feel like we have to explain like you have to explain what's going on or what it feels like for you. It's so right. cool to have the space and be like, we're like, we're all black athletes. Like we understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Like we've gone through a lot of the same experiences and not, and just having a safe space where you don't feel like you have to explain yourself in the way that you're feeling. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, like this is how it is for a lot of us. And kind of like being able to transition back into these mostly white spaces and be like, like mm-hmm. we have this group where we can like talk about what we need to so that we don't feel like we go into these spaces and feel like we don't like have the backup to be able to talk about things. Cause it's like, we all understand, like we're all here for you. No, no matter mm-hmm. what happens in uh, any other spaces, like having that support group has been like amazing and so awesome. Yeah. Well, I think, and I, it's just such a good point because we really try and elevate all the time, like how many demands and how many pressures are on, you know, the, the college athletes we cover in general, I mean, like D1 women's college soccer and all college soccer, all the levels we cover is like incredibly pressure filled. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of things for you to balance logistically. Mm-hmm. It is like just the trips and the classes and the tests, let alone the challenge of like, where do I fit in this team? What's my role? Like, what do the coaches need from me? Oh no, we want to be winning. We're not winning. Like all of the mm-hmm. pressures let alone like the built-in structural challenges of trying to go through that as someone where, you know, you're the, you're the, you're the black, black athlete on a primarily white team. You're, you know, a Mm -hmm. black student at a primarily white institution. Like the layers on top of that just add so much to it. And to have a space where you can be like, listen, I was dealing with this with a teammate. Like they didn't get it. Like you all get it. Like having a space Mm -hmm. where you can just have those moments of, Hey, my coach was saying this, my teacher was saying this, whatever it is, it's so important. So it's huge props to all the folks who made that group um, a reality at St. Thomas, because those spaces are something that every student needs, but especially, you know, black students at a place like St. Thomas, that's a huge resource, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. And you can tell like having um, players come incoming players on any of the teams, like we also Mm -hmm. work to make sure they know that like, even though this right. is a PWI, mm-hmm. like you have your own space. It's not like, mm-hmm. it's not like there's only four people in the room. Like a lot of the athletes come in and a lot of it, it means mm-hmm. a lot to a lot of the athletes right. as well. So it's like, you, yeah, it's like, nice for them to have that. Like on a recruiting visit, you can literally go up to a black recruit and be like, listen, 
I know you're going to be meeting a lot of white folks on this visit, but like, we also have spaces yeah. for you. Like we, we have resources for you. Like this is the setup we have. Yeah. That's huge. No, you exactly. did mention, you did mention to go in a very different direction. You mentioned your pre-med, obviously the soccer mm -hmm. website mentions, you know, a neuroscience major, you're on the Dean's list. So I think Ches you know, our overlapping conversation topics are starting to diverge. I don't know how much more we have to talk about now, but, but for real jokes aside, you, mm -hmm. you clearly are a top shelf nerd. So props to you. By the way. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I'm a different kind of nerd, not, a, not an academically smart nerd, different kind of nerd, <laughs> but tell us, tell us what you're interested in doing. You obviously mentioned pre-med, but is there, is there certain stuff, uh, certain, you know, specific kind of genius shit you're into, you know, what's your specific <laughs> vibe, Chess? Yeah, so for me, I mean, I'm pre-med, so I'm, and I'm neuroscience, so I mean, the brain is like, it's always been something I've super been, in, like, really into, and just like, I remember being in like sixth grade and doing like a whole project and bringing like a human, like, fake brain and being like, these are the parts of the brain, and all my classmates are like, oh my god, this girl's like insane, <laughs> but like, I'm super into that kind of stuff just because like, it's like, three pounds and it's like the coolest thing ever like it controls everything it's like all this stuff I was I, I've always been super into the brain but besides for school I'm also like I was always really into Harry Potter like definitely sure. big big Harry Potter nerd on that one like sure. at all times I also just got into Game of Thrones and love that too super good but okay. it's always gonna be Harry Potter in my heart I haven't really okay. gotten into Star Wars <clears throat> but I like never watched it and I tried watching the first movie which is apparently like not good but I watched right. it and I was like yeah that wasn't good so it's, all, it's, it's Harry Potter for me unfortunately but maybe I'll open my world to the you know Star Wars fans but you, yeah, I just I can't do it I'm not there yet <laughs> you do you do have the luxury of you could start with like the notoriously great Star Wars stuff so you yeah, could so now you're in this era where, for instance, you could start with the Mandalorian with mm -hmm. baby Yoda and, and Grogu. Yes. You could you could start with Mandalorian, which is like universally raved about. You could start mm -hmm. with like Andor. These are these are series, like TV series. Oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, I know what the Mandalorian and, is. I know what this is. Oh, this is great. Wow, you're truly coming in scratch. This is great. <laughs> look at look at me describing Star Wars content. Dis so <laughs> Disney Plus, those are your endpoints. Start with either mm -hmm. Andor, which is just a good drama show. I don't know if you like dramas or not. No, I like, Mandalor yeah, I like anything. And then Mandalorian, those two shows are your entry points because people okay. say those are sort of the two best, better than any movie, like better than any. So those are your entry points for okay. Star Wars. Okay, that's but good to don't know. Worry, don't worry. Okay, I'm, I'm going to down. I need to remember. <laughs> well, wait, and I'm really, I'm really curious. I'm actually going to jump to my road trip ask now because you're, you're talking about all this content. What is your what is your road trip strategy? Because you all are on the road just like a ton. And in the Summit League, so many of these trips, I'm assuming, are bus trips. Like, I'm assuming mm. you very rarely are flying just because of the nature of the trips aren't insanely long, but they're a little long. Yeah. But also, you can't really afford to fly everywhere. So I'm assuming you all live on the bus. So for you, what's your road trip strategy? Are you burning content on the bus and then homework at the hotel? Are you like homework early on the bus so you can burn content later? Like, what's, what is your strategy on these road trips, Chez? 
Yeah. So on road trips, I'm like, so unfortunately, I'm like kind of insane about school. So I will literally like sit on the bus and do my because I like super romanticized homework. So I'll just like put in my AirPods and I like do my reading and stuff. And it's like, I like love it. It's like so much fun. But also, if you catch me in one of my like high energy moments, like me and like my roommate Soph and Cam, like we'll probably talk for like seven hours straight, like on the bus. Or I remember one bus trip, me and Soph were, like, making, like, shadow puppets on the, like, bus, like, roof. And literally everyone else was, like, dead silent. And we were all just, we were, like, singing with our hands. And everyone was probably, like, they're crazy. Like, what is up with them? So, you know, we also like to, like, um, harass, like, our teammates every now and then. Or our coaches. Or Soph likes making TikToks on the bus. So we like to do those every now and then. But... Yeah, most of the time, though, I'm probably just, like, doing my homework or, like, but Soap and Cam like to do it with me, so we'll all sit at, like, the table on the bus, and we'll, like, do our homework and then distract each other and not do our homework for, like, two hours. So, I'm assuming, are we talking about Cameron Rintoul? Oh, yes, yeah. Cameron Rintoul, and then Soap, which Soap are we talking about? Sophia Caballero. Okay, Caballero and Rintoul. Okay, this is, it's good to know. I just need to know the full sock puppet crew just before we walk off. This is, this is, this is your fault, Chez. Now, now Cam and, and Soph are going to have to answer post-game questions about sock puppets. This is what happens. Oh gosh. So you, you mentioned, um, well, actually, so you, I mentioned a lot of these trips are shorter. This fall, you do have one sort of huge early season road trip where you get mm-hmm. to go out to Portland. You're playing Portland State and Western Oregon, sort of a double uh, Oregon swing. And mm-hmm. so I'm assuming, you know, that trip is going to be its whole its whole thing, getting to go out to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, but I'm really, I'm really curious, even in these Summit League trips, because you've made probably all these different road trips at this point for the Summit League. Um, are there any sort of underrated spots to go to? I understand we're getting pretty hardcore, uh, pretty r- like weird upper Midwest locations when we're talking about every Summit League school. But mm-hmm. are there any sort of underrated trips where you all like either because, you know, there's stuff, super easy stuff to walk to or cool spots you hit or like cool coffee shops or restaurants or whatever? Is there yeah. any sort of random Summit League un- underrated under the radar trip that you all like or that you yeah um one place that i really enjoyed was we went to we were playing umkc so we Mm -hmm. went to kansas city and it was so Mm -hmm. it was so cute there like i told one of the goalies i was like guys it looks like where they filmed gossip girl like it's so like brooklyn or something like it was like adorable but i love i really liked kansas city for some reason but I loved there. I loved Omaha whenever we went to, because we went to Ellie's house, Ellie Tempero's house. And oh my God, it was so cute. And I got to see her dog and I'm obsessed with her dog. So Omaha was super fun too. And yeah, I love the Omaha trip too, because we got to go to Denver and we got to come to my house and everyone got to see my house. So that was super fun too. And yeah, that Omaha Denver trip was always super fun. But Kansas City, underrated. I'm telling y'all, like, I love, I love that city. It was so fun. Kansas City, Kansas City is, um, a lot of people say it's similar to the Twin Cities, where it's sort of like the two sides of the river and yeah, the whatever, yeah. and similar size. I will say, I've never heard anyone say that Kansas City reminds them of Gossip Girl, so that is like... <laughs> blowing my mind this the kansas city chamber of commerce should cut that clip and they should share it everywhere in the world like hip 
hip, hip young college student refers to <laughs> Kansas City as similar to Gossip Girl, similar to Brooklyn. Like they are going to put you in an ad for Kansas City, Chess. <laughs> yes, I'll be the I'll be an influencer for Kansas City. Their number one influencer. I loved it there. I don't even care. I literally thought it was Brooklyn. I was like, I did. I'm obsessed. I did too. I did too. Kansas City is on the short list of possible road trips I'll go cover when you all go down there because it's like it's a doable trip. It's a cool spot. Omaha is really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, you got to go to Denver, which is such a, I think there's a, the two sort of quirky members in the Summit League that make like slightly less sense than everyone else is. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Oral Roberts way down south and then Denver is just a little bit outside the Midwest. Yeah. And so you you being from Colorado I doubt you had like a ton of awareness of like the Summit League in general but you maybe you knew of Denver just because they're you know a pretty good soccer program and a pretty Mm -hmm. good athletics program but for you coming in has have any of the other Summit League schools you mentioned being aware of Denver obviously but any of the other Summit League schools have have any of them started to be sort of early rivals for you all or their early vibes of like oh, damn, we got to beat blank. Like, it, what because it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're into season three, you've had rematches now. So what's, what are those early rivalries we're hearing about where you guys are like, man, screw these guys? Yeah, I mean, all love to every team. I love all of you guys <laughs> equally, but um, I feel like there's a little bit of a thing going with NDSU for sure. Just because a lot of people from Minnesota go there and like a lot of like, everyone knows people on NDSU. And even mm-hmm. I know people from Colorado who are committed there. And I don't know, it's like, that's always a super fun game to play. And it's been like, you know, kind of back and forth. So I I can kind of see something going there a little bit for sure. That's probably the first one that comes to mind. Just because that game, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's always so fun. And DU is always super fun too. But yeah, NDSU, I don't know, those girlies, it's always, it's always a movie when we play them. I do love them though. They're all so sweet. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I love how even your like gentle mention of a possible rivalry was sandwiched with like two very bright compliments on either side of the sandwich. <laughs> I love it. But it is it is nuts. I mean, the Summit League. There's a reason why we, you know, Equal Time covers it a decent amount. Really, as an awareness of it, because it's just it's drunk with Minnesotans. I mean, there's so many Minnesotans yeah. on all the Dakota schools. Um, St. Thomas obviously is a huge chunk of Minnesotans on the squad, and so it is something where you see like players just have played together forever, even like random mm. overlaps of like Colorado kids going there um, and yeah. you going to St. Thomas. So it is kind of funny that how those, there's like a lot of relationships and a lot of like webs of connections that go on there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And so you all in your first year, first year of D1 and your first year with the program were four twelve and one, but honestly, there are plenty of games where you were competitive and maybe dropped it. Like I watched a decent amount of those games mm-hmm. last year. You were six, eight and three. So a nice, a nice step up. Been up. Are we, are we climbing up to a winning record this year? Is that what we're doing? Chess? Are we, oh, yes. is that where St. Thomas is going? Where, where's the team going this fall? Yeah, I'm definitely, I definitely can see that that growth is going to keep coming, especially, I mean, my entire class, like all tw- 12, 13, 24, there's so many of us, like, we're all going to be like upperclassmen now. So it's just really everyone being able to take a role too. I think that's also going to bring a really good dynamic to our play. And I don't know, I can, I can see it in the distance. I can see that winning record like coming and it's, I just think it's going to keep going up from there. We're going to keep like finishing on some of these chances from the past games that maybe we like dropped it at the last minute. 
I can, we can see that like these changes are going to be made and it's just going to get better and better and just more and more fun with everyone. I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. It's going up. It's going up. <laughs> I, Ariana Sanchez, Chez from the University of St. Thomas, pure blind positivity, ray <laughs> of sunshine coming to us from Colorado. She'll be heading back to Minnesota for the start of training camp for the third season in her career, the third season in the University of St. Thomas's D1 campaign. Thanks so much for joining, Chez. This has been great. Uh, of course. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. I, I felt like a celebrity when I got the message. I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to have me. No, I'm so, thank you so much. It was awesome. I love it.